In today's episode, we meet Steve Spellman. Steve went through a crushing injury. He was shot three times and left to die. He spent 20 years in crushing pain, and then God stepped in. Steve was supernaturally healed in the moment. He shares that testimony of God's goodness and blessing on his life that's available to you also. Hello, my Firestormers. Welcome to our show. I'm so thankful to have you with us today. Thank you for your time. I am thrilled, thrilled to share with you what we have today. Today's testimony is going to be fire. It is going to bring a level of excitement in you that uh, you might not have experienced before because what God did with my friend today, my friend Stephen, is going to give you an expectation for what God can also do with you. We are all just regular Christians. We are all just normal sons and daughters, but we understand that the power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. So today, in studio, my in-studio guest is my dear friend now, Stephen Spellman. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. It is a joy. <laughs> and you have a voice for radio, my man. Yes. That is awesome. It's, you're going to enjoy just listening to Stephen talk for this next hour because we, we do. Uh, my dear wife, Lynn, is here. We are... Uh, you know, the two of us are equipped together. What God's done with me in a unique way, he's also done with her in her own way. And a lot of the really amazing testimonies you will find is when Lynn and I are together, and that's one today. So I want to give the backstory, Stephen, of what's yes. going on, and then um, we'll just have you kind of chime in of what the uh, what, what God did. So yeah. Stephen... Stephen came into our martial arts school, Savior Martial Arts, uh, a little bit over a year ago, and we have an adult program that serves, you know, I say fully grown people, fully yeah. grown adults, <laughs> and Stephen was interested in learning our, our adult program. It's called Krav Maga. And I watched Stephen come in. I knew we had an intro that day. We always do private introductory lessons with one of the instructors. We get to know our students. We find out your goals, how we right. can serve you, right. right? Find out how we can right. really just tailor a program for your needs. So we spend some time per personally, about 30 minutes one-on-one. -on -one. And I noticed this man. I was in my office, but I have the window, and I noticed this man. I noticed you coming in, and Stephen is on a cane, and he's moving really laboriously. Yeah. Uh, you looked handicapped. Yes. You were moving very slow. And I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and, and I just went back to doing what I was doing. After the intro, uh, my instructor, uh, Sensei David, comes into my office. He says, sir, there is no way this guy is going to be able to do our group <laughs> classes. I thought, okay. He said, but I really like him. I really like his heart. And I want to help him. So I said, yeah, what, what, what's up with him? What happened to him? He said, oh, he was shot <laughs> three times 20 years ago. He's got a couple of bullets lodged immobile in his spine, inoperable in his yes. spine. I think he's got a piece of a lung missing. And um, I feel like he told me the doctors said if he moves around and the bullets dislodge that he's going to be a paraplegic for life. But he was concerned. You were concerned about being a victim of crime. Right. You were a target. Yeah. So you wanted to learn Krav Maga. Yes. I, sorry. So David says to me, um, I really want to serve this guy. Can I do private lessons with him? 
we don't do private lessons normally. We got a lot going on. But I thought, yeah, let's let's serve this man. Let's see what happens. And I remember you coming in and I remember you moving very, very laboriously and hardly able to do more than five or ten minutes. That's right. Is that what happened? Yes. Yes, five or ten minutes would have been stretching and I would have been in mortal pain just from then. Okay. So I've walked on a cane uh for about eighteen years. Let's get in here so you guys can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> for eighteen years. Yes. Okay. Uh, I Yes, walked on a cane for 18 years. I was disabled for 20 years. For 20 years. For years, I didn't I didn't use a cane when I should have because I didn't want to be disabled. Okay. But I was. And um, so I was shot. Um, so shot tell us about story. that. Yeah. Yes. So that's dramatic. Right. So yes. you were So you were – you were like 40 when we met. So yes. this happened when you were 20 years old. Yes. Very different life. Very yes. different world. Yes. But what happened to you? And, and folks, really what we're going to do here is Stephen is about to tell a very dark and dramatic backstory. And we don't ever want to give the enemy any FaceTime because he Amen. is a defe- he's a defeated enemy. The highest part of hell is under our feet. Amen. And the only way- reason we tell this is because the light is going to be so much brighter when you understand the reality of the darkness that Stephen was moving and living in. By darkness, I mean pain, misery, oppression. And what God did was he blew away 20 years of pain and misery in about 20 seconds and completely healed him of everything he's going to talk about. But what happened to you when you were, what, 19 years old? 19 years old. Uh, When I was 19, I was was shot three times by a police officer. Uh, I always hasten to say my, my situation was not police brutality. That does exist today, but that was not that was my, not my situation. I was in the commissioning of a crime. I was uh, I was going to rob a convenience store, and I actually decided not to rob the place because I, I knew the woman that worked there, and um, I didn't want to kill her. Mm-hmm. And if she had given me any any kind of opposition, that's what I would have done at that time in my life. I was a very different person, so I was leaving because of that. And I was on the, on another property near the place going to get a bike that I had stashed for the purpose. And that property had gotten robbed the night before. So someone had saw me walking onto that property and called the police thinking that I had, had been the, the person that had robbed that property the night before completely. But you weren't. No. No. <laughs> no, completely unrelated. <clears throat> and so she, I, did, I didn't find this out till later. Um, someone called the cops. It was in the dead of night. And um, when the officer came out... Uh, I had a firearm on me, and um, I threw it, and he saw it. Thank you. So he was in a compromised position. He turned around to see what I had thrown, and in that moment I pulled the gun on him because I was a very different person. I was going to kill him and leave him in a nearby ditch. Uh, I, I say that because that was what I was going to do. And a light came on in the building across the street. That was the woman that called the, the police officer. I didn't realize that till later. But in that moment, I'd had enough sense to know that I didn't have enough money for being on the run for killing a, a police officer. So I had already had the gun leveled at his head in that moment. And he turned around in that moment of me freezing and saw. And he was terrified. I remember seeing him fumble for his gun. He was terrified. He understood the situation. And, uh, but I couldn't kill him because now there are witnesses. I couldn't just retreat. So I'm kind of stuck in that moment, and we had we had that moment. He tell me put down my weapon, and I'm not. I tell him put down his weapon anyway. 
when he saw the change in my eyes that meant that I was making the wrong decision, he shot me, which is what he was supposed to do. He How was far away? How far away was he? I would say no more than it, it, could, it wasn't 20 to 30 feet away. Okay. It wasn't six feet away, but it wasn't 30 feet. It so 15, 20 feet away. Yes. Probably the size of the room you're sitting in right yes. now. And yes. he fires how many rounds? Three rounds? Three rounds. Three rounds. Yes. All striking you where? Yes. In my side, I still uh, one was here. I don't know if you can see. Here is, here. Uh, for radio listeners, is through his right. upper arm right. that then went into your torso. Yes, and came out of my above my tricep and into my torso and the others the other two were directly into my torso and those end up being lodged in my spinal column directly into okay. my spinal column so you he levels three rounds yes. pumps three rounds into you yes leave and then you fall hit the ground yes what happened next so he was so scared that he came and ran over me and he's still shaking me I'm looking up at the stars. I can feel the, the blood draining from my body. I know that I'm dying. Uh, death was not what terrified me. Life was what terrified me. Uh, I prayed to the Lord as, as the stars were beginning to dim. I was dying, and I knew that. And I prayed to the Lord to not save my life because to wake up to another morning of the darkness that I lived in was worse than dying. I knew enough to know that I didn't want to go to hell. So I prayed to the Lord to save my soul that I was coming home. I remember that as the stars are blacking out in my sight and I'm dying. I could feel the blood leaving me. I could feel my life force leaving me. And So you pray yes. to receive Jesus yes. as you're bleeding out. Yes. So you're a believer now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you're <laughs> saved at this moment. And uh, so, yeah, what did – so you're still here. Yes. So – Yes. So the Lord had other plans for me. I didn't want to wake up another day because I was lost, mm -hmm. desperately lost, and death would have been relief to me. But Jesus had a, he had a better plan for me. He gave me life. So I did wake up the next morning, and um, I guess long story short, I served my time for what I did, which, is, which was the right thing, mm -hmm. and served less time than I ought to have because the Lord granted the judge to give me special circumstances in court. It was a whole bunch of legal jargon involved there, but I got less time than I was supposed to by like maybe a factor of two. I was supposed to get maybe 20 years, um, at least seven years for what I had attempted to do robbing the store minimum just because of North Carolina laws. Okay. This uh, was in North Carolina? Yes. Okay. A felon with a gun, assault on a police officer. I was looking at 25 years minimum. Wow. Minimum. Um, no no way for any judge to give me less than that. It wouldn't even have been at their discretion. So, and even that, as the Lord began dealing with me, even that didn't matter because I was saved. To be cleared from that darkness I was living in was worth it. Okay. If I had spent the rest of my life in prison, it would have been worth it to what God did for me in that moment. So you would have rather spent the rest of your life in prison than what your previous life was like. Absolutely. What was that like? So I, when I was maybe my, – my life with my mother, when I was young, my life with my mother was typical of, of anybody's life with their parents. My mother was a single parent. But then um, crack cocaine entered the picture when I was maybe – brother so eight or nine mm -hmm. and I remember distinctly because my mother changed so I'm trying to figure out how much to tell you <laughs> of all the darkness I lived in my mother left my little brother and I for drugs in a hotel with a strange man 
I remember that. That's one of the more clearer images from my past. We we went to foster homes after my brother was three at that time, and I had been like a single parent to him since he was born because that's when drugs entered in, and my mother would leave me with him. So you're at, a single parent at for eight a, years old. At eight years old. At eight, at literally eight years old, caring around the clock, twenty four yes. hours a day. Yes, my mother would leave for two or three days at a time, where I would not see her at eight years old for three days at a time. I was taken out of school, um, and I was just home with this infant. She taught me how to how to cook, how to clean, how to wash dishes, how to wash clothes, how to make his formula, how to change his diaper. And my mother, she was good with words, so she would instill the fear of God in me. She told me that if I didn't get everything perfectly right, that he would die. The baby. Yes. Yes. If I didn't make his formula right, if I didn't get any any one of these number of of awesome responsibilities for an eight-year-old right, then he would die. And I was cognizant at that time, even as an eight-year-old, so that really was weighed heavy on me to have another life, that of my little brother, in my responsibility. Yeah. I wasn't old enough for that. I was I was drowning in that. So what was the <clears> – so your mom is going out for days on time on drug binges. Yes. You're managing an infant as a child yourself. Yes. What was the like the relational, the emotional input you were getting from your mother – uh, during this time, fear, terror. Uh, my mom, my mom was broken as I was then. I'm trying to figure out the best way to describe her because I love my mother, but life had been too much for her. She had been a single parent. She had actually been her mother had been killed by a jealous um, love interest when she was in the bed with her. So around and when she was a teenager, someone blew her mother's head off while she was in the bed with her. Wow. On Christmas Day. I was born on Christmas Eve. So that was always a terrible time for her around my birthday. Terrible and joyous because she loved me at that time. And I remember for the first few years of my life, she was just desperately protective of me. I never had a babysitter. When she, she was in college at the time when she had me, she was a model. Um, before that, and she was in college, and uh, I remember being in the arms of a college professor because that was the only way for her to get her degree. She she would never have let anybody babysit me. She actually she worked as a a uh, security guard at the college, actually the college in Elizabeth City, um, Elizabeth City State University. Mm-hmm. She worked at a security guard in the booth, and um, actually had them build a, a, another booth in the in the bottom of the booth with a television for a newborn. For you? Yes. She carried me to work with her. She carried me to college with her. I was not separated from her. Okay. That was in desperation and fear from the life that she lived. And I believe it was just too much. So you grew up in this air of desperation, fear, sounds like single mother poverty. Yes. Uh, And then on top of that, you become a primary caregiver for an infant when you're eight years old. Yes. For how long did you take care of your little brother like that? We my mother left us and we were separated when I was 11. So from for three years, for three years. And only when um, drugs first entered the picture, um, we lived in a home that she rented. It was nice. I have the best memories of that time. Those are the only joyful memories of my childhood were before drugs entered the picture. When drugs entered the picture, things only got worse. Um, From there, we lived in abandoned trailers, and I didn't know they were abandoned at the time. All I knew was my mom would make make us um, 
make me close the blinds every night because we weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. No running water, no lights, abandoned trailers, no furniture um, with an eight, nine, ten year old taking care of his almost newborn little brother. So I remember sitting by candlelight on the naked floor in many, many abandoned trailers um, with the suffocating fumes from the from the the kerosene lamp with this child, no food, um, no light except the lamp. And when it was time to turn that out and no mother, because at this time she she would still leave us. And, you know, just the terror, the fear of of can't let anybody nobody's supposed to know we're here. I don't. I can't take the responsibility of this child, but I have to. So I was forced to be a, uh, an adult way before okay. I, it was time for that. So fast forward to 19 years old. It's yes. pretty clear to see how that life trajectory would take you to try to figure it out yourself, yes. you know, get into crime, get into drugs, get yes. into whatever. So this happens. You go to prison for several years. Are you in a wheelchair? Are you what? What's your physical level mm. after the after you were shot three times? What's going on with your body? So when I got shot, I was paralyzed. I uh, When I got shot, when I when I woke, awoke, I remember going to the hospital. The officer waited 45 minutes to even call the ambulance when he shot me. Um, I found out later because, you know, he was hoping I would die. Hmm. He was He was in a state of agitation, obviously, and it was paperwork. Hmm. It would have been less paperwork for him if I had died. Uh, which is the truth. So I remember going to the doctor, and um, I remember the doctor. That's a whole nother story. I, yeah. Should I tell it? Well, we should probably okay, move sound good. a little sound faster. Good. So um, from then, when when I next woke up, three days had passed. I, I thought that it had been the next day. I went and and during the operation, they sedated me, and when I woke up, I had lost so much blood that I was I was out for days. It may have been more than three days. So time had passed, and uh, when I woke up, it, it was I was not completely paralyzed, but I couldn't walk. Okay. I couldn't get up on my own. I was stapled up um, on my side and, and and down my abdomen, full away from my sternum. Um, staples were still in me. Uh, two broken ribs, forty percent of my lung removed. Two bullets still lodged in my spinal column. So I'm in desperate pain. I'm in desperate pain twenty four hours a day, and I can't walk. Uh, yes, and that went on from age 19 until we met yes. <laughs> 20 years later. Yeah, well, I had so, to learn to walk from then, but I, even when I learned to walk, it was on a cane and an excruciating pain from then on out. On a cane was the best. Yes. Yeah. And that's yes. when I met Stephen, when he came into the martial arts school to learn Krav Maga yes. because you were concerned that you could be a target for crime. And uh, the the relationship with us is that we really wanted to serve him. So we ended up doing private lessons with you. And I remember you could stand about five minutes of physicality. Yes. You had yes. no wind, no cardiovascular. Yes. You could hardly move faster than, I would say, an 85-year-old yes. man. Yes. And I remember Sensei David and others poured into you. And then – so here's what happened, guys. A couple weeks later – um, Stevens, you were coming in on Fridays doing yes. your private class, right? Yes. And I got a phone call on the, the the school phone. I happened to be there at the desk and I answered yes. it. And I get a phone call and it's from Steven and he says, hey, I just want to let you guys know I won't be able to come in for my lesson today because I'm just – I'm in a whole lot of pain and I, and I just can't leave the house. And I said, oh, no, what, 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 what's going on? What happened? And he says – you said this to me. He says, well – 
I wanted to help my wife. So I got up this morning. You are married. You have yes. a wonderful Beautiful wife. You have a couple of kids. Yes. And, yeah. Um, so throughout yes. all this, Stephen is he has a family. I mean, he has. You're an author. Yes. You you know he is. You can find him. <laughs> He's fairly prolific on Amazon. But he comes in, or he calls us, and he says, "I can't do my lesson today because I got up and wanted to help my wife, so I did the dishes." And you got to know, I'm wrecked. I can't yes. leave the house. I'm in so much pain. I'm really sorry. I won't be there this week. And I said, "Whoa, man! Well, you know, the word says that we are to lay our hands on the sick and they'll recover. I would love to pray for you. I think I prayed for you really quickly there yeah. on the phone that yeah. day. But I said, "Hey, next time you're in here, uh, if you don't mind." The word says we lay our hands on the sick and they'll recover. I'd love to pray for you because Jesus loves you. He'll touch you. And you were polite. Yeah. And you said, okay. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he's a lovely man. (laughs) And then uh, about a week later, he came in. And my wife, Lynn, was there and me and one of our other instructors, Jeremiah, who you'll hear about. You'll hear from next week. Um, And I remember you coming in on the cane walking very difficult. Yes. And we spent about. 20 minutes together. Yes. And Lynn, you were so instrumental in what the Lord did at that time. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about what you remember from that meeting with Stephen, maybe before we ended up praying for him, what did the Lord impress on your heart that uh, I believe this is the key, guys, that broke the atmosphere, that set forth the the anointing, the healing anointing, which you'll hear about in a moment. Well, I remember you were praying. You said, oh, I'm glad you're here. Come on in and pray for this guy. And I walk in, and there's like this man mountain. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably at least 15 inches taller than I am. This probably pushing triple my weight, this big man. And I just, for me as a very small woman, large men have never been safe for me and of course in the modern world we're you know we just personal safety and all that kind of stuff right so there's that running in the back of my head although i would have said before oh well that's just being wise not realizing that was a stronghold of fear in me so i see this big guy and i'm kind of like okay i'll be nice and i'll be here and Stephen begins to share you know Scott's talking about how, you know, the love of God or healing or, or something. I remember talking about identity, and this is what I remember yes. you saying to me, Stephen. Uh, you were a believer at the time. Yes. You let me know that you knew Jesus, and that's awesome. But I remember you saying this. My God is a harsh taskmaster. I am like a tool in his hand. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And, Lynn, I remember you keying off of that. In that moment— I had some some life experience about what it means to be used as a tool, to be only valuable for what you can do. And the Spirit of God in me just rose that up and thought, I will fight this lie. That was a lie, right? Yes. Because, yes. It, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. Yes. But I sat yes. under that for so long thinking the only value I had was what I could do. Yes. 
And I reached up probably as high as my hand would go and just put my hand on this big man's chest and looked in his eyes because I just felt this compassion of, oh, my gosh, no, that's not true. That is not true. You are valued and you are loved and you are worthy because you are. And I just kind of felt this this flowing up through me and you know jesus said when the woman who had the the long-term um internal bleeding he said whoa who touched me i felt power go out of me and i think in some ways putting my hand over your heart and speaking it was like a transfer of power a a transfer of truth i know that's a lie and this is truth and it was kind of an act of wanting to pass that truth from me to you yes straight into your heart not into your head yes but straight into your heart so so we spent probably 15 20 minutes just speaking life into steven so here's the teaching point guys um an amazing miracle is about to take place but you don't know that it's going to take place right i see this man that's in terrible pain who has been really in bondage for 20 years well do you know i remember saying this jesus still releases the captives right and do you know that we serve a god of miracles and he still releases the captives so we pray into stephen quick prayer this is not you know minutes and minutes this is just quick and we speak life into him and we command the body and i remember praying uh, I think each of us prayed individually, but I remember when I prayed, I'm like, Father, it sounded something like this. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you love my brother Stephen so much. I thank you, Lord, for Holy Spirit presence. And right now, on the authority of Jesus Christ, I command back be healed. All pain go now on the authority of Jesus Christ. Yes. You know, it's quick. And yes. you, people, you listen to that and you go, wow, that's bold. Yes. Yes. Because that's what Jesus paid a price for us to step into, the boldness. When you look at – when you use Jesus' life as an example and you look at the way he prayed for people, he did not belabor the point. He said things like, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Stretch out your hand. Pick up your mat and walk. He's very direct and he doesn't have to go into belaborment. So we didn't. Right. And I remember saying to you after that, okay – um, can you check it? Do you notice anything yes. going on in your body? And you were so polite, but you said, no, it it feels about the same. Right. And honestly, guys, this is another teaching point. This is when most people give up. This is when most people get discouraged. And they're like, oh, it didn't work. Okay. Never mind. I'm not going to try that again. No, this is when you lean in. This is when the anointing starts to flow. Okay. It says in the end of Mark, it says these signs will follow those who believe. Mm -hmm. They're in our wake. They're behind us. You don't always see them, but we step into it. They will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. They'll, you know, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. All these things will happen, but these signs will follow us. So it's not that we chase miracles. It's that they chase us. And I know that. They chase us. And I'm not letting this one get away because my heart has gone out to this man. My sweet little wife is pouring her heart into him uh, with tears speaking his identity and his life, that you are not a tool. You are dearly loved. You are worth the blood of Jesus. And you said, no, it's about the same. 
<laughs> right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I said, okay, let's pray again. So we pray again. And uh, my young man, Jeremiah, he prayed in too. We all did. We prayed again, same length prayer, short, you know, commanding the body, commanding the pain to go, commanding restoration, everything the enemy meant for evil, Lord, use for good. Jesus, be glorified in this man right now. I often say that. I say right now. I'm not looking for something to happen in a year, in a week, and whatever. Like right now, all pain go in Jesus' name with a little strength and an attitude in my voice. Yes. And I remember saying, okay, well, you were standing up because Lynn right. had her hand on your chest reaching at full <laughs> extension over her head to touch your chest. And I said, well, you know, can you can you check it? And what do you remember? What happened? Well, I, I remember lifting my cane and thinking it was weird. And I believe that's what I said because I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. The pain just left. I've, I've heard testimonies of so many people you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit as, as, as warm oil or, mm-hmm. or sometimes as even ice water. But I didn't feel anything. It was just the pain was gone. But because I had been in pain for 20 years, it was odd because it was just strange. It was just odd. I've been in pain for 20 years. That became my base level. So for it to be gone, it was like taking some time for my brain to even catch up to it. Uh, I knew I didn't expect anything from this. I didn't expect God to heal me. Um, I didn't. I determined to not to not be unbelieving, but I didn't believe. Yeah, you you weren't rude, but yes. there was definitely when we said we'd love to pray for you. You're yes. like, yeah, okay. I've been prayed for a lot. Yes. You know, the, yes. So there was not like. Is that even faith for healing? I don't know, but there was not like some building up of, you know, of faith in the room. Stephen was just being polite. And the exciting thing for me just to encourage you, the listener, is that it's not about your ability. It's about your availability, and then the Lord backfills that. The very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. All he's waiting for you to do is to step out and step across across the line in risk and command the body. You know, my tiny little blonde wife puts her hand in the middle of your chest and speaks life into you, which is not natural normally that would not have been a normal thing you would have done Lynn no I'm not in the habit of putting my hand on the chest of complete strangers right right but there's there's the that's the the power of the Holy Spirit rises up in you Jesus says out of you will come rivers of living water that's what it looks like you are listening to Firestorm Live I'm your host Scott Gilbert if you'd like to know more about us I encourage you guys come run with us this is available to everyone it's a thrilling Christian life. You can find us on firestormunited.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Firestorm United. And we would love to encourage you to do the exact same stuff. I don't believe that Jesus went through everything he went through so that we can just sit in a pew and do church. I believe Jesus went through everything he went through to set an example of what our life would look like. And if we abide in him, we should walk exactly like he did. That's what John, 1 John says, the disciple that Jesus loved. So we will show you what it looks like. We will model it for you. We will equip you with practical skill set to step into the reality of what Jesus paid a price for every single believer to walk in as a normal part of your regular day. Not just when you're in the church, but when you're in the grocery store, when you're in your business, when you're at the bank doing business 
whatever, wherever you are, you are constantly a carrier of the presence and we'll show you what it looks like. So, Stephen, what was a normal day before you got healed? You were – we take a gauge of pain often and we say, okay, on a zero to ten, zero is no pain. Ten is the worst pain you've ever been in. You wake up first thing in the morning for 20 years. What level of pain are you in when you wake up in the morning? Seven was where I started. Um, my pain level was never below a seven. If my wife was here, she would verify it. And um, I've been shot three times. So when I say that, I understand what I'm saying, the relevance of a seven um, at your pain level. And anything would rise it to a 10. Any, anything I did, as he, as he already said, uh, I couldn't make it that day for class, which was only like 10 minutes for me. That was excruciating. And I couldn't make it because I washed dishes. Yeah. 10 to 30 minutes, if I could make that, of standing up to wash dishes, if you could see me, I would be pouring down sweat. And I would have to, like, keep a towel with me, a separate towel, so I wouldn't sweat over the dishes that I'm washing. Oh. Because that's how much pain that I would be in just to wash dishes. And if I did wash dishes, if I did go to a grocery store and pick up a gallon of milk and a loaf of bread, and this is not exaggeration, if I walked that or hobbled that on my cane, I was incapacitated for the rest of the day. Incapacitated. I was in bed in mortal pain and wouldn't, be in a, wouldn't have been able to get up if my life depended on it. This was my reality for 20 years. I lost about eight jobs in the first five years of being out of prison because I was just in so much pain, but I had a, an unction to provide for my family. I wasn't taking into account that I was disabled because, like, like he told you, I was just a tool in the hands of God, and tools are made to be used and thrown away when you finish with them. So to, to That's have, how you saw yourself. Yes. Yes, I was here. Like most people, you're hanging on bare knuckle to life because you feel like that's what salvation is. Just hang on till you get to heaven. Just hang on till you get to heaven, but you don't really expect much from God. I didn't. And you're glad just to be saved. You don't expect God to heal your pain or to care about what you're going through. That's just not something that enters your sphere. You're, you're like a stepchild. And I grew up in foster homes where I wasn't wanted, so I know about that. You feel like a stepchild, and um, you're not really important. So you treat yourself like that because that's how you see yourself, and that's how I saw myself. Yeah. So, and then you meet us yes, in this Christian karate school, yes. right? And yes. the Lord uses three normal people. Yes. We speak life into Stephen. It takes about – I think we spent 20, 30 minutes yes. together. Lynn does the, the lion's share of it, yes. just speaking identity into you. We pray into your body. I say, okay, check it. Two prayers. Yes. The second prayer, okay, check it. And I remember you saying this. I remember you saying, this is odd. Yes. This is odd. I'm thinking, what does odd mean? What is going on? I want to know, right? And then you said, I feel tender. And that was, you've described as, it's like you have been, your brain has been processing pain yes. for so long when it's immediately, in a moment, the Lord cut it off completely. Yes. All pain went away. Yes. It's like your brain didn't have the capacity to know what it was like because you had been in that for so long. Yes. And then yes. what happened? So so I'll, I'll just say this and I'll turn it over yes. to you. So we do that. You have to go to pick up your daughter from school or something. You walk out of the room. I watch you walk out 
fold up your telescoping cane into pieces, put it under your arm, and I watch you shaking your head, just processing in disbelief, and you walk out. Yes. I don't really know what's going on with you. We don't know what happened, (laughs) right? It wasn't until a week later when you came back. So, And then you shared the testimony. So what happened from the moment you left us with your cane under your arm, shaking your head in disbelief? Tell me about that next week. Indeed, I, I must preface this when I when I went to um, I went to learn self defense because I was uh, I was assaulted on the night of my mother's death. This is just how my life was by my uncle, oh, wow. and um, I was because I was disabled. He was able to just assault me without you know me able to protect myself at all on the night of my mother's death. Before she was hardly in the hearse. This is just the darkness my life was. And so I came there because that couldn't happen again. That was terrible, and I need to learn to defend myself, disabled or no. And I'll so. just share with you, if you're watching on the live stream, you can see Stephen. If you're listening on the radio, i got to tell you guys, <laughs> he came in, and how tall are you? I'm six. Okay, he's, six, a, he's even six foot. Well, to Lynn, that he's even taller to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a solid six feet, yes. and, and you were pushing nearly 300 pounds yes. at the time, right? 310. 310 pounds, pounds six yes. feet tall. Yes. He's assaulted by an uncle, an uncle. because you're it's so handicapped. Yes. You're an easy target. Yes. So you come into the karate school. We end up praying into you. The Lord supernaturally touches you, takes away all your pain. In a yes. moment, you walk out. No need for the cane anymore. Yes. You go home. What do you tell your wife? I, actually, I didn't tell my wife for days because I, I didn't understand what was happening. When I left, I was. I remember folding my cane up, um, thinking it, it felt like I was Alice in Wonderland or something. I've been in. I've been in mortal pain. Nothing less than a seven for the last twenty years, and now I can't feel. I, I can't feel any pain, any sensation, anything in that entire portion of my back, and I couldn't process that. I remember going to my car. Yeah, I remember shaking my head because the only question in my mind for the next three days is, "What is this? What what, what is happening?" And I, because I was waiting, I, I, to be honest, I was waiting for the pain to come back. Some fluke just happened. It's, it's significant because I have not been not in pain. For 20 years. So something has happened, but I have not been healed. Even then, I... You still I mean, don't believe. No. Yeah. <laughs> God hasn't healed me. That's ridiculous. God hasn't done a modern-day miracle like that for me. God does not care about me that much. But the pain never came back. I, I didn't feel at all. So it, I, I couldn't even feel normal sensations in that part of my back. It was It was so dramatic. It was like... God made that a different part of me or something. Like, I couldn't feel the pain that I've been suffering through. I couldn't feel anything. So you're, you're, are you, like, numb? Yes, like, like completely numb, like it's not there. To touch me any place in that entire area on my back, which is significant, you can't see me, but my entire back from below my shoulder blades to my, to my hip, mm-hmm. you know, is, is damaged. I'm, I have all types of wounds from the bullet wounds and where they had to cut me and remove ribs and lung matter and all of that. And I didn't feel anything. For days, I mean, like if you had stuck a pin in my back, I wouldn't have felt it. Wow. My, my my wife was able to touch me, which for twenty years she she never could touch any of my injured places because I felt like a, a condemned building on that side. Missing ribs, you can feel it in your body, and it feels like if somebody would touch you and squeeze you, they would break your ribs. What what is left of them? That's how it feels, and it's terrible. And she could touch me again for the first time. That came later. For three days, I didn't tell her because I didn't understand what was going on. We'll start there. Okay. Just every day I get up and there's no pain. 
there's no pain at all. And it's taken it a while to kind of seep in what is happening. Yeah. And so I guess about four or five days, maybe, I finally tell her, and she is upset. <laughs> I mean, she is upset. She really is. My, my, she is upset. I haven't told my daughters. You haven't told anybody. God has healed you. You mean we have been here with you, suffering <laughs> through this with you? Because, you know, my wife has been supporting us financially, supporting me physically, and she loves me, and she's a nurse. So she has never made me feel bad. But just like anybody, if you if anyone out there has um, family members that you take care of that are infirm, you understand the responsibility of taking care, care of somebody that can't do anything for themselves. And she has never complained, and she's been there. And you mean to tell me that God has healed you? We are free from this, and you don't tell anybody? You don't celebrate? You don't jump up and down for joy? And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I can't can't believe what's happening. So when I next go back for the next Friday, she forces me. I think she's at work or she would have came. She forces me, makes me promise to tell God and his wife, thank you. For whatever you did. (laughs) (laughs) And I was out of town that weekend, and Lynn is at the front desk when Stephen comes back in. And what what was that? What do you say to you? Well, I'm walking by the front door just incidentally. And this man opens the door and come in. He says, Lynn, I didn't even recognize him at first because he his posture is upright. And there's this forward-moving energy, you know, and a brightness. And I said, oh, Stephen, I didn't – it's been a week, and I don't even – it doesn't even register because everything about you was different. The posture, the look on your face, the the speed at which you're moving. And the way I remember it is you said, is your husband here? And I said, ah, no, you know, he's out of town right now. And he said, my wife, what, what, did, what did your wife want to tell him? She wanted to tell thank you for giving me my husband back. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. And a few days later, Suzanne, his wife Suzanne, lovely yes. lady, uh, she calls me. We talk on the phone. Yes. And she thanks me. I'm like, hey, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Jesus did it all. It was always, you know, I just, I'm just thankful that we could be a blessing to your family. Jesus did all this. And she, she's a beautiful believer, so there's no disconnect there. But she says this to me, Stephen. She's like, I have my husband back yes. after, I guess you had been married 15 years yes. at this point. Yes. And she says, he's chasing me around the house. <laughs> and she's <laughs> joyous about this. So my wife is a beautiful woman, and she knows that she's beautiful. And she wants to be pursued by the man that she loves because she's worth it. And you can't, it's hard to pursue somebody on a cane. So, <laughs> so she hasn't, she's been going an entire marriage not getting the things that she deserves as a gorgeous, dedicated wife. And, and just the grace of God granting her to be there for me. So now that I'm suddenly back, all of this is so sudden. And, and God just upended my life in the best way. You know, and in fact, I see something on the live stream with someone saying, come on, with exclamation points. That is exactly the kind of person that I want to hear from, because if you're listening to what I'm saying, if you immediately believe it, then you already have the faith. But the people I really want to talk to are the people that's looking like, really? Come on. Really? Right. That would be me. (laughs) That, That would be me. And that's why I am here, because this did happen. 
I don't have to think and formulate any kind of narrative for you. I just have to remember what actually happened and how strange it was. And there will be people out there that will say, like I would have said, where's the proof? I am the proof. You don't you don't know me, but Scott does. Mm -hmm. And if you can just imagine me about 100 pounds heavier with a cane, that's what, how he met me. We have a on in the show notes. We'll show a picture. So okay. that day that we prayed for you, we yes. actually took a photo right afterwards. Right, and uh, me pointing at what we prayed yes. for, and uh, yes. you holding your cane in the yes. air. Which I remember you telling me afterwards that that alone was indicator that something was changed because yes. you couldn't lift your arm. Yes, yes, I wouldn't. I, I, so many skeletal abnormalities from walking on that cane, but it really, I couldn't, I couldn't walk upright. Mm. Couldn't lift my arms, like, especially because of my injuries with the, with the broken ribs and in my torso area. So just to lift the cane, to, to hold the cane as opposed to it, to it supporting me was like the man carrying his bed. Yeah. He carried the instrument of his own depression. And that, that was, that he carried what had once carried him. Yeah. Which is as it should have been. So just that picture alone, but it, yeah. So yeah, that. So we'll put we'll put that photo yeah. in the show notes, um, and then you can also find Stephen in on Amazon. You're yes. an author, and the I, the the really exciting thing is that uh, the stuff you used to write was very dark, yes. depressing because that's like well, not depressing, but it was heavy. Yes, um, and that was because that was your life. Yes. Yes. But the Lord blew away 20 years pain yes. and misery physically in your body yes. in 20 minutes. In 20 minutes. This is over a year ago. Yes. In that time, you've lost almost 100 pounds yes. because you can move and your your physicality is way yes. up. He is training through the Krav Maga system. He's an excellent martial artist. You're in the gym. Yes. You're lifting weights. Yes. You're swimming. Now, we got to talk about the swimming yes. because you have – 40% of your lung has been yes. torn by bullets and removed. Yes. You shouldn't have the volume of oxygen <laughs> to be able to, to, to swim. So tell us about what's a workout day for you like now in the gym and the what do you do? Oh, awesome. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm in the gym regularly and I also still study martial arts. A regular day for me in the gym is about three to four hours. Um most of the time is on the bag, um, kettlebells, uh, uh, jump rope. And when you say on the bag, for people that right. aren't familiar, that's boxing. Right. That's upright, right. high energy. Yes. Uh, you look like a prize fighter. Yes. And people yes. are coming up and wanting to take your picture. Yes. Right? Yes. And when, when people come up and want to take your picture because they think that you're a professional fighter, you're that good. Yes. What do you tell them? I tell them, I tell them my story and um, – where I came from, basically some of the things that I've already told you. And like some people out there may think they look at me kind of strange. They might be considerate enough, but it seems like too far of a stretch. They just don't believe the testimony yes, that Jesus completely healed you in yes. a moment. Yes. It's no way to see me now and know what Jesus healed me from unless you see my wounds. If I take off my shirt, you can see, which I'm not going to do, guys, <laughs> but uh, you would see where I'm cut at under under here. You would see the bullet wounds in my arm here, the, the three bullet wounds here, the cuts where the ribs were removed, the, the cut down my torso. Um, I'm pretty cut up, yeah. uh, but that's the only indication of where I come from. That's the only thing Jesus has left of all that I've been through. As, as Scott said, he wiped it away 20 years of pain and darkness 
and just depression and everything that is that is terrible about life. He wiped it away in his blood and left left me cleaner than snow beyond Praise it. God. Come on, Lord. So now I, I <laughs> you know, I wish I had took like 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 Scott says, he doesn't take camera crews with him. <laughs> no. But I, we kinda wish he did. <laughs> I definitely wish I had more pictures right now. I definitely wish I had anything to chronicle all of these things I'm telling you so you could see for yourself. I know that when I was looking up your stuff on Amazon, you can find him Stephen with a V, Spellman. Uh, on Amazon, you can see some of his writings on there. There's a picture of you yes. leaning on your cane, yes. kind of looking out onto the distance. Yes. Um, we have that. Yes. All right. So you can see that on Amazon yes. if you go look at his stuff. Uh, but then th- what we really want to talk about, I only have about 10 more minutes, so we're going to do this again. Yes. But the beauty of the miraculous healing that the Lord did yes. on that day is incredible. Yes. And it's amazing. But what we find is, guys, when the Lord uses you to be his hands and feet to a hurting person, it's not only what you see. See, his spirit goes in and it does things that you can't even know. So as dramatic as the physical healing was, what's going on in your mind, the bondages of the mind, Mm. your thought life, what did God do in your head and then transform your entire life. <laughs> oh, my God, guys. This is where it gets exciting because as dramatic as all of that is that I said to you, and I haven't even said that isn't even the entire story. As dramatic as that is, that blessing was for you guys. It was for me to tell people what God has done. It was for relief for my wife. The blessing that was for me was what God did inside of me beyond that. I, as Scott said, I, I saw myself as a tool in the hands of the Lord, not not a particularly well-kept tool, just, you know, like the, the hammer you have in the bottom of the toolbox. You don't care about cleaning it. If it gets fractured, you throw it away and get another one. To teach me my identity, I cannot overstate how that changed my life. Vantage point is everything. It is so many people that are saved out there, but you don't know how God thinks about you. We have an image of God as, you know, white beard, um, stoic. God loves you. He rushes towards you. He is not just nonplussed about you being his. He died to make you his. And, and when as that is getting into it still as it is getting into my system, it is changing everything. It changes how I see myself. It changes how I see other people. And it, it, it frees me up to reach my potential. It has com- completely alleviated the depression and just everything that the enemy has put on my shoulders. I don't even know where to begin to tell you guys. <laughs> I swim. OK, so I, I swim well enough that I've been invited to multiple swim teams um, and this is just from being in the gym. This is not from going to like any Olympic place, just being in the gym and people are here about me and now they're there. You have a fan base now. Yes. People are like watching you, right? Yes, which With is <laughs> less than a full lung. Yes. And in fact, we should share this. So yes. your gauge of maintaining your physicality. Yes. When you're in the pool, what is your baseline? What do you have to do every time to say that I am maintaining my yes. baseline? What is it? So for swimming, at the end of my swim routine, after I've exhausted myself, I have to do underwaters. To anybody who knows swimming, it means you stay underwater, you don't come up for air, you dolphin, you dolphin kick. 
for about 50 meters, the size of an Olympic pool, which I just learned is a little bit over half of a football field. <laughs> and, yes, I do that underwater without coming from air. I do wear Zoomer flippers. I have to amend it with that. But, yes, I do that just to just, just my base level. My base level from a base level of seven uh, in, in pain. Seven to ten, seven you said. To 10. It would just go to ten. You yes. spend all your time in max excruciating yes. pain. And now, and, and here's something I just want to throw out there to our listening audience. I'm not a doctor. I don't have resources like this. But we would love to get an X-ray yes. of you to see one if the bullets are still in your spine. Yes. Because you have X-rays showing them yes. in there. Yes. And the doctor said, "Hey, if you ever do anything and these dislodge, you're gonna be going to permanently be permanently disabled, quadriplegic, unable yes. to move." We want to see if they're still in there yes. because I've heard testimonies of the Lord supernaturally removing metal from inside of yes. people's bodies, screws, plates, rods, these sort of things. But also, and I know you can't see organs on an x-ray, but you can see shadows. You can yes. see things like that. I would love to see if the Lord regenerated your lung yes. because you have such an incredible amount of volume of oxygen. Yes, It doesn't seem like... It seems like you did something in there, too. Yes, I, I fully agree. Um, to be underwater that long is something. Uh, I can't describe the experience. And I, I would be very shocked if, if I hadn't been healed completely, as Scott is saying, because you can't do that um, with the amount of lung tissue that I have. It, yeah. It's hard for a normal person to do that. And I didn't even know that until fairly recently when I tell people what I can do and they're maybe like, really? <laughs> and the great part is like, I would love, I would just love for someone to see this. Cause it's, these things are real. Yeah. You know, like they can be quantified. This is not something I'm saying that if you were ever see me in the gym, Oh, well, these things are real. Yeah. And I wish I, I just wish it was a way for me to, to put that, have more pictures and things for other people to be, edified by that. Well, there actually is a way that you can meet Stephen uh, <laughs> in our power activation seminar coming up on March 12th and 13th. One of the sessions that I'm going, we're going to do together yes. is the power of testimony yes. because one of our scriptures that is a foundational element to this show is Revelation 19.10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Anytime we share a testimony of anything Jesus has done, it goes forward with a prophetic nature calling forward more and uh yes. Stephen and i are going to share that yes. we're going to pray for people together we're going to pray yes. for you before we finish here we have a yes. few more minutes but that's march 12th and 13th you can find out more information on our website firestormunited.org uh we would love to have you you can meet my dear friend yes. Stephen. he'll sign your bible if yes. you want uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke <laughs> so there will be an opportunity and we'd love to have you join us for that now Stephen, in just the last few minutes that we have left we talked about the identity and how the Lord has changed your mind. Yes. Can you compare the drama of the physical healing compared to what's gone on in your head and your thinking and the way you see yourself now? How do you compare those two? So I, I had an analogy that came into my mind when I was when I was praying on how to say this. It is like a chair to me in in a room filled with nothing but activity where everyone is standing and doing everything that doesn't yield them fruit, 
and and just exhausting themselves. And there is a chair there, but you won't sit down in it and take your rest because you believe that that God is just going to work you to death and that is your reasonable service. And that was my mentality. But life doesn't start until you're in that chair, until you sit down, until you get your rest Mm -hmm. and until God is able to work through you and for you. So that's what that's what I feel like. I have rest and everything that we're talking about is God's will and his outpouring. And I don't have to keep it up. I had to walk on a cane. I had to deal with that pain. I don't have to deal with any of that now. God carries me. I'm like a man carried along. And the prophetic nature of this testimony, we want to pray for you right now. Yes. We only have a little bit of time, but we're going to pray quickly. So, Father, for those that are listening to this show right now, and they may have lifelong debilitating pain, possibly the same injuries, they've been wounded, they've been hurt in an accident, maybe they have bullets in their body. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you are not a respecter of persons. What you did for Stephen, you'll do for others. I thank you, Lord, right now. Holy Spirit, come. I speak life into these bodies. I speak healing into these bodies. I thank you, Lord, for full restoration right now in Jesus' name. I command all pain to go. Bodies be restored right now. Be glorified in their bodies right now, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that their spirits would be restored. Their spirits would be restored in Jesus' name. To burst forth like calves from spring calves from a stall into who you made them to be. Thank you, Lord. Get your glory. Get your glory. What you did for Stephen, do for others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us today. We're almost done. Stephen, would you come back and talk to us some more about this? Because I feel like we just scratched the surface. Yes, Yes, we did. Absolutely. The best part is the identity part. You've heard the miracle, but you you need to hear more about the identity part. (laughs) It's available to everyone. Some scriptures, you know, if if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The old is gone. The new has come. That's who you really are. That's what Jesus paid a price for you to be. So thank you for your time. We will talk to you again next week. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Firestorm Podcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're looking for more about the Firestorm Equipping Ministry, you can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. We're also on Facebook at Firestorm United. If you'd like to partner with us, equipping the body of Christ for revival, you can give on our website, firestormunited.org. All donations are tax deductible. In our next episode, meet Lynn Gilbert, my wife. Lynn is going to describe the power of compassion and how as we go through the scriptures and we see Jesus moving in power, often before that it'll say, and moved by compassion, the Lord did something. She's going to talk about the power of compassion and how all of it's available to all of us, how all of us can move in a level of compassion, knowing that Jesus lives in us and that compassion will compel us to pray for other people, see his love change people's lives around us. It's going to be a great show.